Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. All right, so we're going to be rereading uh, the passage of Luke and the story of the uh, Samaritan. And, uh, you know, some of you may be practitioners of Lectio Divina or have heard of it. And one of the beauties of that is it's, you're doing a multiple rereading. Uh, of the same passage and you know you're listening in the first reading for what's what's sticking out in the second reading you're listening for what God may be saying to you in the third reading you're starting that conversation with God to ask questions and debate uh, and and talk and in, in the fourth and readings and beyond you rest you rest in the readings and so I love that we kind of started that Lectio rhythm today um, you know, as we kind of start off, we had a meditation on this. And so at this time, it's the more formal reading where we'll stand and rehear this story as we move into the homily. So this is uh, Luke 10, uh, verses 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Give him the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him, and he went, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And he went to him, bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper, and he said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I'll repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Christ. Thank you so much. Uh, if you're new around here or we haven't met, I'm Benjamin. I'm the guy who usually is sitting over here causing ruckus during the sermon. Uh, so Bill promised to do that for me today. Uh, the guy who usually stands here and does the sermoning is Jordan. And Jordan and his family are out for the week. So I just want to remind us to be praying for them as they're in Colorado and the kids are at camp. And he and Holly are getting some time to rest and, and reconnect. And I think it's just a gift to have pastors who prioritize camp care of family and care of self. And so as you're thinking about their family this week, just be sure to, to say a little prayer and maybe shoot them a text of encouragement or something as, as their way. Um, but let's jump in. So you are a human being and not a human doing. I'll never forget uh, these words. 
They were seared on my soul as they were spoken to me uh, by my therapist several years ago as I was sitting on her comfy couch. And in that moment, tears began to well up in my eyes and my heart began to beat in my throat a little bit um, because I realized something that I believe Jesus is inviting us to in our gospel reading this morning, that we have permission to be humans. We have permission to be humans. Not only that, uh, we get invited by Jesus into a fuller kind of humanity, the kind of humanity that sinks in to the depths of things like pain and suffering in our own lives and in the world around us. And so what I sense is happening in this text, which is probably a familiar text to you. It's probably one you've heard a lot of sermons on or a lot of thoughts on or read some blog posts about or even some books or literature about. But I believe what's happening here this morning could remind us of a big idea, this big idea that Jesus invites us to see mercy as both the means and the end of shared humanity. Jesus is inviting us to see mercy as both the means and the end of a shared kind of humanity. Now, if you've been tracking with Jordan the last few weeks, he's been talking about this idea of the self-led life versus the spirit-led life. He's talking about fruit and flow, and then last week we add a third F. Anybody remember the F? Freedom. <laughs> hey, somebody. So this morning, I just want to continue that journey. I want to get deeper into the waters of the pool and I just want to invite us to look at this gospel text and hold in mind the invitation to sink deeper into the life of the Spirit, to sink deeper into flow and to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's what we see Jesus tangibly doing over and over throughout the gospels. It's what we see him doing in this text, inviting us to live out this thing in our bodies. Go and do likewise. Go and participate in acts of healing. Go participate in acts of mercy. Be involved in the healing of the world. And I think that's a pretty big deal. So when we jump in, we get to be flies on the wall to a conversation between a lawyer, an expert in the law, and Jesus. And the person questioning Jesus gets the very typical Jesus response. No answer, (laughs) but a question. And this is something I want us to pay attention to. There's a lot of leadership in our culture right now by, like, knowledge. There's a lot of leadership by power. There's a lot of leadership by, like, I'm going to tell you how to think about this thing, and then you just go do it like me, and everything will be okay. And I don't think we see Jesus doing that. But I think we want it. Like, we want a straightforward answer, like, Jesus, just tell us what to do, and we'll go do it. But we don't get that. We get a question. And then the lawyer asks another question. Who's my neighbor? And then again, we see Jesus not answer the question. And what I think we're seeing here is Jesus telling a story, and he's doing that because he's inviting us to use our senses. He's inviting us to use our imaginations. I believe what we're witnessing in real time is Jesus providing us the opportunity to be people who experience fruit and flow and freedom. And that's on offer today. He's giving the listener, he's giving the audience of that day, and he's giving us the opportunity to be curious And then to choose, to be curious and then to choose. He's giving us the opportunity, as Jordan talked about last week, to realize God is the center of the universe. Jesus and the ways of Jesus are the gravitational pull. This is the way it's going, and so we're best off submitting to that flow and getting the opportunity to partner with God and seeing the world look more like heaven, seeing the world around us be more merciful, more just, I think that's a pretty big deal. 
So let's try that set of lenses on for a moment as we make some observations about this story that Jesus is telling. The first thing I observe in the story is an act of violence. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. They stripped him, they beat him, and they left him for dead. There's a couple of things to note about that. One, our actions impact others. Robbers, people, stripped him, beat him, and left him. So it's human activity that creates the pain and disruption to the story that God's telling. Jesus is calling us to see this interaction between pain and suffering and brokenness and healing. It's people that mess this up. The second thing is in this act of violence, in this abuse, we see a man who has his humanity fractured. On the face of this, we're invited into the narrative of humanity. That's all of our stories that something happens and fractures our humanity. And Jesus is inviting us to look at that. The plot has thickened, and we're on the edge of our seats. What are we going to do? What's God going to do about this act of violence? How will we respond? And I just want to pause here for a moment and just ask you to notice. Notice if you're identifying with this part of the story. Maybe there's part of you that deeply identifies with the person left for dead. You can't hear the question, who is my neighbor, because you are lying in the ditch. Perhaps there's a part of you that feels that in your body, and I just want to invite you to notice that. Notice what comes up. Second thing we see in the story is a couple of people who see the man and they pass by. Priests and a Levite, we are told, and I'm sure you've heard some sermons that criticize this group of people, the audacity to walk by on the other side of the road. We shake our fists at them. And yet, aren't there parts of us that do that? These two characters are common to the human story as well. And perhaps we can rename them, if you'll allow me to have some creative license here. I think the moment we sit in in our culture, we could probably call these two power and privilege. We could call them power and privilege, and you see, power and privilege always have a choice. They always have the upper hand. They always have the opportunity to just pass on by. More often than not, when they're faced with the possibility of disruption, they do that. They pass by. And I hear Jesus inviting us to a better way. The third thing we see is a Samaritan. This is where the story turns. A Samaritan is on his journey. He stops. He sees the man, and he has compassion. In this Samaritan, Jesus invites us to see the invitation to a fuller humanity, a shared humanity. As he stops, he enters the suffering of this man who's been left on the side of the road. You see, friends, privilege and power are not the means by which we experience the fullness of humanity. Co-suffering is. Joining in the suffering of others and binding ourselves to the wounded is what provides space for healing in the world. It's what Jesus did. Paul says it in Philippians, though being in the very nature of God, he emptied himself of what? Power. He became a servant. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus invites us to. 
Jesus so often invites us to imagine a world, imagine a reality, and where we see someone suffering and we don't pass by, we stop, we see, and we act out of compassion. There's something in every human story, every human heart, and I want to name it so it's really clear what I'm talking about when I talk about shared humanity. We all have a desire to be seen and to see. This is how we were made. We were designed by God to see and to be seen. And that's what we see the Samaritan doing. Another way to say that is we all have been born with the desire to know and to be known. We were born with that. It's not a design flaw. When the the heart comes into your throat, that's how it's supposed to happen. This is important. I think it's safe to say at this point, rushing across your heart and mind are all the places that you wish this were so, where you wish you were seen or where you wish you could see others. And I just want to say that I believe the Spirit of God in us means that we actually have a supernatural disposition to be involved in the healing of the world. That the Spirit of God in us means that we were supernaturally made to do this. That's a good thing. It's an incredible news that we don't need privilege and we don't need power and we don't actually need that much ability. We just need to be willing to get in the flow. Here we see mercy as a willingness to enter in to the suffering of another. I think often what happens is our culture forms us to be the kinds of people that are looking for, you know, what what are we going to get out of this situation? What am I going to get out of a situation by stopping and helping somebody? And I think Jesus is asking us to imagine a mercy in which our, 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 our mercy is marked by something different. And Jesus talks about a kind of mercy. And so where it turns, I want to look at those two kinds of mercy. The first is it's unboundaried mercy. I don't know. I might have made that word up. So just go with me here. He went to him and he bound up his wounds. He poured oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. You see, it's the kind of mercy. It's the kind of giving that it starts to blur the lines on where one begins and one ends. The closeness, the proximity of the physical presence and the free-flowing nature of the personal resources are markers of the kind of mercy that leads to this idea, the idea of a shared humanity. It starts to transcend our ideas about charity and philanthropy, and it calls us into being tangible, active participants in the healing of people and places in a world that is very hurt and very confused. What we see beginning to form is interdependence, in a culture that forms us for independence. We see Jesus offering freedom for mercy, from mercy. This doesn't mean we lose our unique identities. It doesn't mean we start to merge or mesh or all the great psychological terms we have to understand what happens when boundaries fall down. I'm not talking about codependency. What I'm talking about is viewing our resources, our stuff, ourselves with open hands and open hearts. You might be asking yourself here, how often do I come across a person beaten and left on the side of the road for dead? 
I'm glad you asked. That's a good question. Every day. Right now. As much as we try to hide it, friends, this is a culture of hidden brokenness. There's hurting people all around us, and for some of us, we're the ones hurting, and we do everything we can to make sure no one knows. And this is, unfortunately, especially true of church communities. Can we name that? How do I know this? Because I'm one of them. Can I just say to you, I am actually pretty good at putting on a smile and tying a nice theological bow on my pain so that no one will ever see it. Boiling it down to a big idea so I can categorize it in my mind and be okay. But can I also say to you that if that's you and that's me, that we're robbing ourselves of the opportunity to be fully human when we don't allow ourselves to be seen and known. I had the experience earlier this year of participating in something called a story group. If you're not familiar, this is a particular modality for group conversation that comes uh, from a guy called Dan Allender, and he uh, does some teaching out of the Seattle School. And what happens is you get together with a group of people over a committed period of time, seven weeks to ten weeks, and you tell stories. You tell stories from your own life from between the ages of 6 and 18. And so you sit in a room. I was in a room with seven other guys. We'd get in this room, and we would share our story. One person would read their story. We'd set a timer for 25 minutes, and the other six would lean in. They would ask questions. They would join us in that story. And there was one particular week where I was sharing my story, and I started to feel this pain in my uh, shoulder and arm that I sometimes feel. Um, and so I, I started to massage it out a little bit. And one of the guys said, hey, I noticed as soon as you started reading your story, you grabbed your shoulder. What's that feel like? I was like, well, <laughs> it feels like someone is gripping my arm very tightly, and it does not feel good. And he said, well, what would feel good? And I said, well, it feels good when I kind of massage it out like this. And he said, all right, we'll all do that. And everybody in that room started massaging their arms out. And when I tell you the kind of healing I began to experience in that moment is something I had no imagination for. Because for a long, long time, and still now, I try to hide the fact that I'm in the ditch. And when someone saw me in the ditch, called out my pain, and agreed to join with me in the healing, something shifted in me. I think that's what's on offer for us today. I think that's the kind of thing happening in this story. I think that's on offer for this church community as we move towards this house church model and think about getting in each other's physical spaces and getting in each other's stories. And that's a powerful kind of thing that's going to happen in the world. Second kind of mercy that we see here is unlimited mercy. I didn't make that word up. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Unlimited mercy. This is the kind of mercy that goes the extra mile in a culture that takes the path of least resistance. Jesus shows us self-sacrifice, self downward 
mobility. It's the way of the kingdom, not our empire that's constantly climbing. Let's go below the waterline for a moment. I'm going to say something hard. This goes beyond our resources and into our rights. What do I mean? Look what he says. Put it on my tab. Take my money and take my freedom. I'm not coming back to ask you what you did or why you did it. I'm going to pay the cost. Whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. I think Jesus is inviting us here through the power of the Holy Spirit to be the kind of people that don't put limits on our mercy. I recognize, theoretically, we have limited resources. But don't we have access to the resources of God? So often I wonder if we stop short in our helping or in our healing because we forget that the psalmist says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We start living out of a mindset of scarcity and a culture of competition. There's only so much, and so if I give up, then I won't have what I need. And Jesus invites us away from that, friends. Jesus is the absolute personification of God's willingness to spare no expense for our redemption. God is willing to spare no expense for our salvation. God has withheld nothing from us that we might experience freedom and healing, even his own son. And that's good news. That's the gospel. That's what we claim we believe. And the gospel invites us to step into that story in the way that God has stepped into our story, sparing no expense, placing no limits on God's mercy. This is hard. Let's acknowledge that. But I'm super hopeful. I'm super hopeful that we can see the kind of healing imagined in this passage in our world today. This week, my family and I have the privilege of serving at a camp uh, called Hope Heals Camp. And so if you haven't heard of the names Jay and Catherine Wolf, I would implore you to do a quick Google search of that when we're done. Maybe not now. Jay and Catherine had their lives unexpectedly turned upside down years ago when she had a massive stroke. She had a nine-month-old baby, had a massive stroke, and ended up in almost a day-long brain surgery in which doctors were making decisions about what functions that she would have and what functions that she wouldn't have. Um, but she would, she would go on to live. And to meet Catherine is to meet the absolute embodiment of joy. And so Catherine and Jay spend their lives going around and telling their story and sharing their story and inviting people into to healing. And then for three weeks in the summer, they throw a camp and they invite families with disabilities to come and be loved on for a week. And they pull out all the stops so that no camper, no family has any cost whatsoever. Jay and Catherine and their teams are doing this kind of hard and holy work of unbounded and, and unlimited mercy. And they're tangibly stepping into the stories of families and providing healing. And it's infectious to see. Gosh, I also would wonder if there's something about this building, this space that we're worshiping in. Like maybe you don't know, and so you know, do another Google search on, on giving children a chance and just 
read about the kind of work that happens in this building for foster and adoptive families. There's some healing that happens here Monday through Saturday. Imagine that. So I would just say, if you're struggling to imagine what unboundaried mercy or unlimited mercy look like, then look for a healer. Look for somebody who's doing this kind of healing work in the world and like be around them and try to catch some of whatever they've got coming off of them. It's the spirit of God. It's the fruit of the spirit when we get involved in this healing thing. So I'll land the plane with this. I'm gonna lead us into a gospel meditation. I love what was said about Lectio Divina and the multiple readings. A little bit different than Lectio is something called gospel meditation. And so gospel meditation is, is simply just reading a gospel story and kind of just immersing yourself in it. Um, I won't call it the Holy Spirit that we don't have air conditioning today, but that will help us to imagine being on the Jericho Road. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, so it's a process where you just read a gospel story and you can do this with any gospel story. And you just imagine yourself there. You just imagine yourself in that, in that moment. Psychiatrist uh, Kurt Thompson says, talks about this idea of imagination that leads to incarnation, Right? imagination that leads to incarnation. It's the idea that we take something from more than a story, more than words on a page, and we begin to live it out. I think that's what Jesus says. Like, I don't think it's that complicated at the end when he says, go and do likewise. He means it. (laughs) He means do it in your body. Um, And I think that's what gospel meditation invites us to do. It invites us to imagine beyond the words on the page, just to imagine that we're in that story and see what comes up. And so I'm gonna read the story twice. The first time, I'm just gonna read it. And then the second time, I'm going to call us to some noticing. But if you're comfortable, I would invite you to close your eyes. You are safe in this space. Um, I'd invite you to kind of press your feet into the ground and even, you know, feel the ground push back against you. That's your reminder of gravity. It's important. Maybe just begin to, to notice your breath a little bit, that you're in a body, and it's good. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to an innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. I invite you to notice the man. Do you identify with this man? Do you recognize this man? Notice if you're feeling like this, if you're feeling vulnerable, abused, left for dead, less than human.
Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Notice those who passed by. Do you recognize them? Do you see yourself in them? Is there a certain look on their faces as they saw this man? But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. I invite you to notice the Samaritan. Notice his disposition as he sees. He went on to bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I invite you to notice how you are feeling here. Has anyone ever cared for you this way? Have you ever cared for anyone this way? The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to an innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. I invite you to hear Jesus say to you, you go and do likewise. Holy Spirit, would you help? Would you help us to go and do likewise? Would you help us to sink deeper into the flow of your spirit? Would you tend to those parts in us that came up, those parts that need attention? Would you be as so kind to continue to come near to us? And would you continue to shape an imagination by the power of your Holy Spirit? that sees and is seen, that knows and is known, so that we might know and share the depth, the breadth, and the height of your endless, boundless, limitless mercy and love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.